The Patriots tried to kill my mom. I left the studio yesterday. I called my dad just to see how they took the loss. Because it was a bad one. It got me right in the heart. But literally, it got my mom right in the heart. I'm not joking at all. She's fine. But I said, how's everyone doing over there? My dad said, actually, your mother is in the hospital. She's been released. She was having some chest pain. When I got to the hospital, her Ben Roethlisberger jersey was draped over the side of a chair, and she was wearing Steelers footies. Those bastard patriots tried to kill my mom. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens. And you should, too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I apologize to all my friends and family out there who are listening to the show and didn't know that my mom was in the hospital last night. She was. She's fine. She's been released. They don't think it was a heart issue. She's now going to her work happy hour. But those bastards! That was one of the more emotional games I've ever watched, whether it's regular season or playoffs, and it certainly felt more like a playoff game than a regular season game. Here's the deal, though. The Steelers weren't eliminated. Steelers have two games left. If they win out, they get the number two seed. If Jacksonville loses and the Steelers win a game, they get the number two seed. If the Steelers win out and the Patriots stub their toe, the Steelers get the number one seed. There's a lot of football left to be played. And I'm not convinced the Steelers couldn't beat New England in New England now in the AFC Championship game. I said going into the game, they've got zero chance of going to Foxborough and winning. Zero. I hate making definitive statements like that. I shouldn't have done that. Because it comes to bite you on the other side. I'd now give the Steelers a 50-50 shot. I think Pittsburgh's better than New England. I think the Steelers are the better team. That being said, it did not happen for them yesterday. We'll talk about that call at the end of the game. It's incredibly confusing. When does a player become a runner? When is a player still in the act of trying to bring the football in. I don't really know. You don't really know. They don't really know. It needs to be looked at. We'll get to all that. That was a big reason the Steelers lost the game. No doubt about it. But I think that the Steelers' coaching decisions and their own gaffes cost them the game more than the referees did. They got ultra-conservative with 352 in the game. Three minutes, 52 seconds left. Steelers up by five with the damn football. Steelers had a first down and the ball at their own 19-yard line. According to ESPN Stats and Info, they had a 78% chance of winning at that point. The Steelers ran the ball with Le'Veon Bell. There were 10 friggin' dudes in the box. It was a gain of one. I did not like that call. Yes, they'd been running the ball on the Patriots all day long. But in that circumstance, I think you have to take what the defense is giving you, and they were giving you the pass. Throw the ball. On second down, they attempted to. Ben scrambled for five yards. Then, on the third down play, Ben threw it short of the sticks to Eli Rogers on third. Punt. That was a chance to win the game. Right there, and not give Brady the ball back. And the Steelers went conservative on first down. 
I wouldn't have minded running the ball if you got to third and short. Put the ball in Ben's hands and give him a chance. Throw it on first down. The Steelers were afraid of the Patriots, and for good reason, but they shriveled instead of taking it to New England. The Patriots weren't really able to stop the Steelers all day long, and on that drive, the Steelers stopped themselves. Sean Davis, he choked. He didn't come down with the interception that would have ended the game. That's a play that you have to make against New England. You have to. You can drop an interception and beat a lesser quarterback. You're not going to drop an interception and beat Tom Brady. You only get one or two opportunities to make that play. Tom Brady had not thrown an interception against Pittsburgh since 2005. 301 pass attempts before Vince Williams picked him off. Vince made the most of his opportunity. Sean Davis did not. The Steelers also unraveled after that touchdown was overturned. Ben should not have thrown the ball short to Darius Hayward Bay under any circumstances. Brady wouldn't have done that. People ask me all the time what the biggest difference between Pittsburgh and New England is, and they often say it's the coaches. I think it's the quarterbacks. Tom Brady would not have thrown the ball short to Darius Hayward Bay. He'd have thrown it away. Tom Brady would have thrown it away on the last play of the game, too. Ben Roethlisberger didn't. Now, I respect him saying, let's get after this. Let me give this team a chance to win it. But at a certain point, you got to realize, man, it's covered. Let's kick the field goal. I'll throw it into the 15th row. He didn't do it. Again, I'll get to the rule and all the garbage, but the Steelers cost themselves this game more than the refs did. Do you agree? 412-922-2874. Who do you blame more, the refs or the Steelers? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Now, quickly to the refs. There should be a challenge flag for common freaking sense. You should be able to throw a flag once a game, and whatever you want the outcome to be, you should just get that outcome. With all due respect, Mr. Referee, I know by the letter of the law that's not a catch, but we both know that that rule is BS. By the NFL's definition, Jesse James was in the process of the catch when the ball hit the ground, so it should have been incomplete according to their thoughts. To me, you could easily have made a case that he had become a runner when he caught the ball, his knee was down, and then he started to make a move for the goal line. But that's not how they saw it. Clearly he had control when he made that move. Clearly. You have to have control in order to do the three things that I just said. To catch the ball, to get the knee down, and to reach forward. You need to have control to be able to do that. The NFL needs a common sense challenge flag where once a game, a coach can toss it on the field and say, yeah, we all know that should count. And the refs, knowing that it's true, should shake their heads. What's frustrating about the end of this game is, I think, twofold. Number one, it was one hell of a football game. Maybe the best game we've seen in the league all year long, certainly by the two best teams in at least the AFC, if not the entire National Football League. And the only thing that people are going to be talking about is that call at the end of the game. Two, no one knows what the bleep a catch is. 
Now, I've seen some people tweet today, it's obvious he did not maintain control of the ball to the ground. Well, what's that mean? He maintained it till his knee was down. Sure, he wasn't touched, but he went to the ground. And then he made a move forward. That, to me, shows that he was maintaining control. It's confusing because you don't know which rule to apply to what given situation. I watch these games every weekend. It's my job to comment on these games every weekend, and I don't know what I'm watching. My wife, who is a casual fan at the very best, asked me about a thousand questions when I got home yesterday. Well, why is this a catch and that's not a catch? How didn't he score there? I don't understand. What happens when he breaks the plane of the goal line? She didn't understand. The casual fan has no freaking idea. Just like when an offensive player fumbles the ball through the back of the end zone and then all of a sudden the defensive team gets it, they never had possession, yet they get the football. That happened yesterday, too, and a lot of people don't get that rule, and a lot of people who are casual fans don't understand that rule. The league's really complicated. These rules are overcomplicated. We'll get into replay itself tomorrow because I'm going to do a replay show. Not the whole show, but I'm going to talk about whether or not we should have replay in sports. But today, it's about the rule book. It's convoluted. It's messy. Nobody knows what should be applied to when. And if the refs do, good on them. If they got this right by the letter of the law, good on them. But the rule should be changed so that it's the same rule all the time. It shouldn't change near the goal line. What kind of friggin' sense does that make? None. That's why there should be a challenge flag for common sense. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Who do you blame more? The refs or the Steelers? Bruce in Pittsburgh, first up on the Crowley Show. What's up, Bruce? What's going on, guy? How you doing? Awful. What the hell is that yesterday? Okay. What it was, there's so many rules like, you know, you got to have a football move before you have possession. For me, I think if he would have just grabbed the ball and fell and possessed it, you know, they would have had another play. You know, everybody wants to be a hero, wants to get the ball and get it over. Get it over. Okay, I extended it. I got a touchdown. That was partially his fault. But for me, when they was talking in the locker room yesterday, because everybody knows I covered them, when he was saying that other oh, coaches, it was sort of it was iffy, it was muddy on what they wanted to clock it, don't clock it. The thing about it, he has discretion. He's a 14-year veteran. He's our franchise quarterback. He has possession of the ball, and he has discretion to make a play work or just can the play. Throw the ball away if you don't see it. They didn't think about the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson, same deal. One-yard line, throws the ball, it's intercepted. Right, so it doesn't history. The Patriots were ready for some, you know, shenanigans like that. They definitely okay? were. They were ready. You know what I mean? They, I absolutely do. And thank you for the call. First thing, the football move doesn't matter anymore. They took that out because they thought that was convoluted, and it was. But that to me made more sense than this did, because what Jesse James did reaching the football was a football move, right? The second thing is, and this is why I think that this loss is more on the Steelers than the referees. Ben Roethlisberger's got to be smart. At the end of the game. And the Steelers coaching staff needs to have a plan at the end of the game. 
Ben was dumb by throwing the ball to Darius Hayward Bay for three yards when three yards doesn't do anything. It doesn't set you up for a better field goal try. All it does is get the clock running. Now, the hope was that Darius Hayward Bay would get out of bounds, but guess what? Darius Hayward Bay is a special teams player. Martavis Bryant wasn't on the field when Martavis Bryant had been good all game long, certainly in the first half. So I put that on the coaches. Then they didn't have two plays called just in case he stayed in bounds. So Ben then gets to the line. He's thinking about spiking it. It sounded after the game like he didn't really know what down it was or what the situation was. And by situation, I mean he didn't know what he was going to do, what the team was going to do. So what's he do? He throws the ball into the middle of the end zone on what was a fake spike, not a fake spike. He said it wasn't. It kind of looked like it was. Only one player ran the route. Throw the ball through the back of the end zone. The coaching staff did a bad job at times yesterday. And the Steelers didn't make enough plays. Now, the referee call wipes a lot of that away. But you have to play through that. And while the Steelers would have won the game in all likelihood had that touchdown stood, it didn't stand. And they still had an opportunity. It's not like that was the last play of the game. They still had a chance. And been through the interception after an atrocious, atrocious throw on second down. Who do you blame more? The Steelers or the refs? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The tweets are coming in. Coming up next, Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com. Stu Gotts from the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts is iffy for today. We've been texting back and forth. John Skipper, the head guy, president at ESPN, resigned citing substance abuse issues, and he said it's kind of a crazy day. If we don't get him today, we'll get him tomorrow. But I do know we got Dale Lolly next to chew on all of this. It's the Crowley Show. Who you blame more, the refs or the Steelers? Now, in reality, it's both their faults, right? I understand that. I'm a nuanced enough kind of guy that I understand that it's never just one guy's fault. It's never just the team's fault or just the ref's fault. It all goes hand in hand. That's the reality. But who do you blame more? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Sean says refs totally. I think it's easier to say that your team got screwed than it is to say our guys didn't play well enough. I think it's an easier pill for fans to swallow and just blame the guys in the black and white as opposed to the black and gold. And I get it. I mean, hell, I was just talking to Joe the entire break, and I mean, the Steelers players probably feel like they won that game. And I think the Patriots would probably say, yeah, we got a little lucky there. Bill Belichick said after the game, he didn't know what they were reviewing the whole time. If the refs hadn't overturned that, I don't think anybody would have had a problem. 
Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com joins me now on the Crowley Show. Dale, what should we start with, man? There's a lot to digest from this game last night. I don't know. It's your show. I know. (laughs) I know. If I had Tim Benz on, Benz would have known exactly. Because Benz likes to produce my show when he's on the show. I thought maybe you'd like a crack at that. Okay, let's start with... Well, I'm not a pro like like Benzie. I mean, you know, I'm sure he has some kind of conspiracy theory going on here about uh, everything that occurred yesterday, but... I have no such conspiracy theories. The Steelers lost the game. They did lose um, the game. And, well, that was my question. So I just asked that of the audience, uh, all 15 people out there, Dale. And the question was, do you blame the Steelers more for the loss or do you blame the referees more for the loss? You can't blame the referees for the loss. They, they, they called the play the way the rule was written. You can disagree with it all you want, but that's the way the rule was written. Uh, is it a good rule? No, but I, I don't know how. I mean, these are professional athletes. You expect them to be able to catch the ball and control it to the ground. Um, you know, I've heard the argument, well, Jesse James is making the football move. Well, the officials ruled that he wasn't. So he, he wasn't. They, they you know, didn't get the ball into the end zone in that situation. Um, if you're blaming anybody for the loss, and I, and I hear people saying, well, Todd Haley called this, called that. First of all, Darius Hayward Bay was not the number one option on that crossing pattern on the, on, the, on second down. Anybody who thinks that is just, uh, I mean, come on. Everybody, the, the number one options are in the end zone. You're trying to throw the ball into the end zone in that situation. And the but hope the Patriots, for Ben was that, that, that Darius Hayward Bay is going to get out of bounds there. Right. Your fastest guy on the team, and he is still the fastest guy on the team, can run and catch the ball and, and get some yards and get out of bounds. That didn't happen. Um, I've also heard the argument that, well, they should have had two plays called in that situation. Well, okay, so you call two plays, and Roethlisberger gets sacked back to the 19. You call him to see you run in the same play that you would have ran from the 10 or the 7? No. Or if Hayward Bay gets down to the 1 or the 1-inch line, are you running the same play that you would have called from the 10? No. So you don't know what the situation is going to be. Maybe you had a... a, a you know, a, a third and ten play call, but it, it, you know things change. Uh, it, it's different. Um, you know, the, the different situation. Um, Roethlisberger's explanation on the whether it was uh, supposed to be a, a spike or a fake spike or whatever uh, was so convoluted. I have no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, at first, he said the, 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 the call came in. He wanted to spike the ball and take another shot at it. What well, would have been fourth down? So that wasn't going to happen. Uh, then he well, then he came around back around and circled back around on it and said, "Well, the call came in from the sideline and, and it wasn't really a fake spike." Yeah, it was a fake spike. You faked the spike. <laughs> so, I, I know. I was just saying that in the last segment, Dale. He said it wasn't a fake spike. Well, then why did he why did he fake, fake the, the spike? spike. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, and even at that. Uh, you have one receiver out there running a pattern. Although Jesse James, if you watch, the oh, play again, I know, is floating out into the flat by himself. Um, now, by that time, Roethlisberger had already locked on, locked in on Eli Rogers. Which, by the way, had Antonio Brown still been in the game, that more than likely would have been Antonio Brown. And he uh, might have run the he might have run a fade anyhow. He pro and that's the other thing that people forget about this. I don't in that situation that may be the play that Eli Rogers is supposed to run. Right, because I've heard I've heard the thing people say. Well, why are you running a slant in that situation? Why don't you run the fade? Well, first of all, you're not having five foot nine Eli Rogers run a fade. That's not going to work. 
Um, you know, he's going to be covered up pretty easily on that. His job in that situation may be to run a slant to, to drag some coverage away from Antonio Brown, or at least a guy. If Antonio Brown's on the field, he's drawing probably double coverage. Um, so, you know, I think Eli Rogers did what he was supposed to do, and Ben Roethlisberger forced the football to him. And unfortunately for the Steelers, the ball popped up in the air instead of skipping backwards, and it was intercepted. Uh, but you take a chance there to you take a shot there to win the football game. Anybody who doesn't take a shot there to win the football game is basically a loser. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I oh, I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent, Dale. I think that the issue is eh, just throw that one probably into the seventeenth row. Yeah. Throw it away. Yeah. If it's not there. Throw it away. Um, you know. So that's the situation there. There, there are so many things that are that are being second guessed. You know, why didn't they double cover Gronkowski on the on the two point conversion play? Well, they did. They had they had Mike Mitchell breaking underneath of him. If you watch that play again, Mitchell at the just before the snap breaks underneath of Gronkowski on that side of the field, where where Sean Davis is over there by himself. So he's taking away the quick slant or anything to the inside. Davis in that situation has to hold. Is, is he has to, to press him into the inside. He, that's where your leverage is at. That's where your help is at. So you have to force him to the inside. And that didn't happen. He let Gronkowski get outside, and, and that opened up for the, the fade. But he let, they did double him on that play. It didn't look like it on TV because you couldn't see, you know, the immediate reaction is, oh, they left Gronkowski by himself out there. Well, no, they didn't. Um, and that's the other part about this. How could they, how could they leave uh, Gronkowski in single coverage on that final series, you're playing man-to-man defense uh, the whole way down the field. You know, somebody has to be deep. People are killing Mike Mitchell because he's 30 yards off the ball or 25 yards off the ball. Okay, so if he doubles Gronkowski in that situation and, all, and one of the other receivers gets behind somebody, who's there to tackle him? Nobody. What do you think the Steelers' game plan is if they play the Patriots again? I do want to focus on this game, but I think we're going to see a lot of the same stuff in terms of man-to-man, but they're going to have to try something different with Gronkowski because he's going to kill you, and he might kill you either way. We've seen them do different things with him in the past, but you got to try something different because this ain't going to work, I don't think. Well, I mean, he does this against everybody. This is why he's Rob Gronkowski. The only thing that has stopped him in the past has been injuries. Maybe he'll get hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's always a possibility. Um, you know, it, it, it's not. I like that plan, though. Maybe he'll get yeah, hurt. All right, very good. I, yeah. I mean, it's, that's not a plan, but who else is going to cover him? The only other guy that, that, that you even, I mean, they get Joe Hayden back. Um, maybe that gives you, you know, an opportunity to do some different things in coverage. Um, you know, you're not going to get Ryan Shazier back. That's not going to happen. If you have Ryan Shazier in that game, maybe you have an opportunity to be better against Gronkowski, but you didn't. So you went with Sean Davis, who's your, who's your best option in that point. He's your biggest defensive back. He played cornerback in college. You, you've done a, they, they've been the number one team in the league all season long, stopping tight ends. But, you know, you're, you're playing against a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback who's one of the most accurate throwers of the football in NFL history. And you're playing against a six six foot seven tight end who the quarterback is just throwing the football up. Uh, you know, it's it's like me trying to, to guard Will Chamberlain. Uh, it, it is <laughs> it's it is unbelievable, Dale. Uh, on on the throw down the left sideline, Brady puts it in a perfect spot. There are three Steelers defenders there, and I mean, there's nothing you can do in some situations. Uh, I mean, I no, was marveling I mean, at this yeah. guy. 
sometimes you just tip your hat, you know, and, and you know, take your hat off and give it to them. Yeah, take your hands off and they cut your hands out for you. So you get your <laughs> your hands cut off for you. Um, but you know, they 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 did a great job. You think about it for for fifty eight minutes of that game, they've given up nineteen points to that offense. Um, did they allow the score? Absolutely. And, and you know that's gonna you know you're, you're not gonna shut those guys down for an entire game. I look at that as the offense, more of an offensive failure than anything. Get the ball in the end zone at the end. Um, I know you're not playing with Antonio Brown, but it, it didn't seem to bother them the entire game. Um, the quarterback can't throw an interception in that in that situation. He can't. He just can't force the ball into that in that situation. He can't do it. He did. The, he played a he played a fabulous game. One of the best games I've ever seen him play. For four, you know, for 59 minutes in in. 45 seconds, and then he made a throw that just, you look at it and you go, wow, I can't believe he just did that. That was After, all, after everything that he did in that game, after the great game that he played, going pass for pass with Tom Brady and outbraiding Brady for, for, like I said, 59 minutes and 45 seconds, and then he did that. Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com joining me here on the Crowley Show. Dale, that was as shocking a result as I thought as I think that I may have ever seen in a Steelers game, uh, because I I thought that they had it, and I certainly expected them to at least get a field goal from that situation. And for Ben to have played that well and then throw that interception was really, really surprising to me. Defensively, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that they played largely well enough all game long. In fact, they surprised me with how well they played. Um, The man coverage did seem to help. On the offensive side of things, how do things change with Antonio Brown? Do, uh, do they win the game with Antonio Brown? Because to me, I don't think that there's a question. Yeah, I think I think without a doubt. I think they, you know, if you told me going into that game that Gronkowski was going to have the numbers that he did, and Antonio Brown, whether he played the whole game or not, was going to have two catches for what do you have, twenty three yards, twenty four yards. I'm saying that the Patriots win that game by three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, just looking at the stat sheet. Now, you take Brown out of the equation for the Steelers, and, you know, even if, even if Brown plays the full game and he only has those two catches, you know that the Patriots had to double team him all over the place. They really had to work hard to take him out of the game. But with him not in the game, it allowed them to play things more straight up. And I thought Le'Veon Bell played a fantastic game. Um, you know, I thought that he was the best player on the field for much of the football game yesterday. And, you know, even even on the, the pass to Jesse James, you saw him break out of the backfield, and two guys went with him uh, to the right. And Roethlisberger looked that way, faked that way, and that left James wide open over the middle. Again, if you have Antonio Brown out there, he's the guy that's drawing the double team in that situation. And you've got Le'Veon Bell matched up one-on-one against one of their linebackers, and that was a mismatch all day. Um, I think if, if Brown plays that entire game, the Steelers win it by at least 10 points. At least 10 points. Dale Lawley, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Dale, going to Foxborough now, if the Steelers were to make it that far, if the Patriots are to make it that far, do you feel different about the game after having watched this last game? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, you, you hadn't seen the Steelers match up with them with Ben Roethlisberger on the football field, um, you know, in, in at least a, a decent amount of weapons. 
I mean, last year's AFC Championship, you're taking, you know, you got Sammy Coates out there. You've got Kobe Hamilton. Um, you know, no Le'Veon Bell after the first series, basically. Um, you know, that was, that was an issue. Uh, and the Steelers really had no answer for the Patriots passing game. I think they do now. Um, you know, you bring Joe Hayden back for that game. You get Marcus Gilbert back for that game. You'll have Antonio Brown back, presumably, for that game. Um, you know, who, who are the Patriots getting back other than maybe Chris Hogan that you look at and go, wow, this guy could be a difference? Well, uh, who's nobody. Branch? I mean, Branch, that's kind of a big deal, I think, in terms of stopping the run. Yeah, their defense stinks. It's, I mean, they are just a bunch of guys. I still think the Steelers, you know, they can do whatever they want to with Le'Veon Bell, splitting him out wide and, and, and getting mismatches on their linebackers, whether Branch plays or not. I just I think the Steelers were the better team yesterday for most of that football. Yeah, Dale, I think the I think the Steelers are better than New England. I, I do, yeah. uh, and even some of the writers that I talked to from New England said, watching the watching the Steelers on film, they're the they're the better team. Now, now did it work out in their right. favor yesterday? No, because you because you had two Hall of Fame players that took over the game for about you know a minute and thirty seconds. Um, but I think the Steelers overall are the better team, and they're going to be. Presumably, if they get the guys back that, that, that should be back and they don't have any other major injuries, uh, they should be the more healthy team. You put Ryan Shazier into the situation, that equation, I think the Steelers are, are, you know, way better. But they don't have him. It, it is what it is. I mean, injuries happen. It's all part of the game. But I, I don't think that the Steelers, after having played that game yesterday, are going to go into Foxborough fearing the Patriots. No, I think that they're probably salivating at another opportunity, perhaps. Last thing here for you, Dale. Marcus Gilbert's going to be coming back. Obviously, no Antonio Brown. Do we see the Steelers kind of revert into what they did last year at the end of the year and go ground and pound without A.B. and throw that extra lineman in there in the form of Chris Hubbard? Well, I mean, that was certainly the equation yesterday. You saw no kidding. Uh, in just a, a ridiculous drive by the Steelers where they, they ate up you know nearly the entire second quarter just pounding away at the Patriots, and the Patriots had no answer for it. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger taking what was there and converting some third downs. But um, I, th- I thought, you know, he's playing some of the best football that he's played, and, and I thought he played a great game and, except for one pass yesterday. Um, so I think you just go out and do what you do. Uh, the, you know, the Texans didn't show up yesterday. Uh, <laughs> they basically mailed one in. You've got them. You've got the Browns. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think these are two very much uh, – these are two games the Steelers should win regardless of who's out there, uh, as long as they've got Le'Veon Bell, as long as they've got Ben Roethlisberger, uh, they should win these games. And I think, you know, defensively, uh, they did some very good things yesterday. I think it's it's definitely a positive step. A last thing quickly here, Dale. The locker room after the game, uh, did you sense dejection, or did you sense, <laughs> we're a little pissed, we want to go, go get these guys again? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, actually, a lot of both. Uh, they, were, they were ticked off that they, that they had let that one slip away. Um, but I, you know, they were pretty, they felt pretty good. I think about, you know, what the, what the entire process had been. And then I, you know, again, I think they went toe to toe and, and felt like they, you know, could play with those guys. It wasn't, you know, they weren't outclassed by any stretch of the imagination. Dale, appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, man. I hope your mom gets better. Hey, thank you. That's Dale Lolly from DK com. She's good. She's good. How weird is that though? And scary a little bit, too, but Chick loves football. And now she's out at a happy hour because they cleared her heart.
Might have just been gastroesophageal reflux disease. Regardless, the Patriots tried to kill my mom. Harry tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Steelers offense should have been more aggressive in the fourth. Can't let up on the Patriots. 3.52 left in the game. They ran the ball. They had been running the ball very well on New England. I would have liked to see him throw it as well. Coming up next. A lot of people seem to think that Ben threw Todd Haley under the bus after the game yesterday. I've got the sound for you. A little clip. I don't think that's what happened. I'll tell you why next. Crowley Show. During the break, I just ate an entire Eaton Park Smiley cookie, and I don't have any water, but I thought I did. So my mouth, it, I basically chewed chalk. I love Eaton Park Smiley cookies, but my mouth is feeling pretty dry and cakey. Let's let Todd talk. He's calling in from South Carolina, 412-922-2874. Hello, Todd. Hey, yeah, the most aggravating thing year after year as a Steeler fan is we always seem to find a way to lose to somebody we have no business losing to. This year it was Chicago. Had we won that game, we'd still be sitting with the number one seed. Yeah, and it's a good point, but you could say the same thing about New England losing to Miami. They lost to Miami they shouldn't have. They had three losses coming in, the Steelers... They lost to Chicago. That sucks. You don't want to lose that game. But both teams have lost games to teams they wouldn't have liked to lose to. And you can look at Jacksonville as the third-best team in the AFC, at least in terms of record, and they've lost to some teams they wouldn't have wanted to lose to, too. So it happens. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's it's true. It's true. Nobody's undefeated in this league. The Bears have given a lot of teams problems. The Bears are a win over the Browns away from sweeping the AFC North. The Ravens are 8-6. If they had beat the Bears, they'd be 9-5, and five, and they'd be in a position where they could, oh, I don't know, make some actual noise in the playoffs. 412-922-2874. The Ordinary Boy tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, Eaton Park cookies are best with coffee. I think the Steelers will be fine next meeting in the playoffs. I'm not going to go so far as to say they'll be fine, but they can win. They can beat these guys. I did not think there was a chance that they'd go to New England and beat them coming into the game. I didn't. I said it on my show on Friday. I said 0% chance, like Blutarski, 0.0% chance they're going to beat the Patriots in Foxborough. Would I pick them to now? No, because until I see it, I ain't picking it. But could they? Hell yeah. Go to Skip in Mount Lebanon, who wants to talk about the man-child, Rob Gronkowski. Hello, Skip. Hey, Adam. I really enjoy the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, The thing about Gronkowski, he's he's a terrific man. Don't get me wrong. But his stats for the year, he's got seven touchdowns and a thousand yards. Did you tweet this? Somebody did. That was the first time in his career he had 69 yards receiving on one drive. (laughs) isn't that just perfect I tweeted it out earlier on in the day when Juju or pardon me I guess it was after that when Juju had the 69 yard catch and run I said 69 yards just to shove it to Gronk and then of course I find out afterwards that Gronk had 69 yards on the drive and was probably in all of his glory man I don't know how other teams get it done with that guy. I don't. Uh, the Steelers played man coverage across the board, which I thought was a really good adjustment. 
But I don't know what you do to stop Gronk. Now, if you've got Joe Hayden, I think there might be a trickle down. Cam Sutton was really good in this game. Really good. And honestly, I thought Artie Burns played well. And I think that Hilton is a good player, too. So maybe if you drop in Hayden, maybe you can try Sutton on him. Maybe you can try Hayden on him, mix and match, that kind of stuff. But as long as Grog's healthy, that's the biggest concern going into New England, yes? I, I agree. And the other thing that's kind of a, maybe not under the radar is 63 penalty yards to four. And you can't tell me that that New England line wasn't holding. I was watching that pretty close. And I, it's just amazing the discrepancy on, on penalties. And I thought, I thought Ben was hit late three times with no flag. And then the perception, I thought he appeared with an end zone with this poor guy when the popped up. But it's just, it's ridiculous. It's almost like hockey calling 20 power plays and none for the other team. It just seemed way out of whack. You know, there, the, and thank you for the call, Skip. Appreciate it. 412-922-2874. The most egregious penalties for me for the Steelers were the hold on Villanueva, and then on the next play, Villanueva false started. And that killed the Steelers' first drive. Would have been nice for the Steelers to get out to an early lead, and they were moving the ball prior to that. You can't make those kind of mistakes against New England, and I know New England made mistakes too, and trust me, we're going to get to that after we hear from Matt Williamson, who will join me in 10 minutes. But you you. Can't you got to play almost perfectly, and that means Sean Davis has to catch a ball. That means that Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball into the middle of the end zone when there's three Patriots there. It means that Darius Hayward Bay needs to get out of bounds. You need to do those little things to beat these guys, and the Steelers didn't do enough of the little things yesterday. And frankly, they got unlucky a little bit too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Ben Roethlisberger, after the game, had this to say about the end of the game. To be real clear on that, is that Randy or Todd in your ear saying go for it instead of clock it? Uh, yes. Which one? Uh, Todd. Uh, now, once once again, that's coming from the, the head guy. Someone's telling him, but but you know they, um, you know maybe they wanted a field goal. You know maybe they wanted to tie it. I, I don't know, and so maybe that's on me. Uh, maybe I should have. Uh, just clocked it, whatever it is. I don't know. So we're not going to look back and second guess anything or anybody. Uh, we, we lost the game, and, and I threw a pick in the end zone at the end of the game to lose it. It is such an easy narrative for people to say Ben doesn't like Todd and he threw Todd under the bus when you just read the transcript. And I have a lot of respect for Colin Dunlap. I think he does good stuff. He's one of the better guys over at that station across the street. He said, and he wrote in a column, that Ben and Haley don't get along. And part of the basis of that was that comment you just heard there from Ben. It doesn't sound to me like he threw him under the bus. In fact, he took responsibility for the pick. He answered a specific question. That's it. Who said it in your ear? He said Todd did. That's not throwing him under the bus. That's answering a question. That's what happened. Todd Haley said, we're trying to score here. That's it. That doesn't mean that there's a feud. And... Right after he said, Todd said it, he said not to single out any of the coaches. Hello? There's no feud there. That's not why the Steelers lost the game. The Steelers lost the game because they didn't have a, a plan there at the end. It's not because the coach is in his ear. 
they did the right thing. The right thing is to try to score a touchdown and not go to overtime against the greatest quarterback of all time. That's what you need to do. What you don't need to do is throw the ball in a triple freaking coverage. Throw the ball through the back of the end zone. The right call is going for it. They executed it terribly. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Let's go to Andrew next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Um, so just a couple of comments. I mean, you can never truly say that a game comes down to one play. I mean, there's lots of chances to win a football game. That being said, it was disappointing the way it ended there, but like you were just saying, it should never – there's no way they should not get a field goal there at the end. you got to just throw the ball away. Um, you know, so that being said, I also feel that the offensive game plan was great. I mean, they kept the ball away from them. You know, they looked good for most of the game. It's just – You know what's like tough, you, Andrew? You know what's, what's tough? That? They don't practice at all without Antonio Brown, ever, because the guy never misses practice. Right. He never misses games. They had a great game plan coming in, and then they lose their best player. He's been their best player all season long, and they still were able to move the football, and they were able to do it on the ground. So that, to me, is a really good sign. I think that's a good point, yeah. because whatever they have to do now offensively, they seem to have gotten to a point where they can. Yeah, I mean, you take Gronk out of that game, there's no way they beat the Steelers. So we we didn't have our best player. Probably, yeah, arguably one of the greatest, or he is one of the greatest receivers of all time, just like Gronk is definitely one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So, I mean, people need to realize that. But, no you know, doubt. when it comes down to it, you know, you're up eight points at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, in the words of the late, you know, Danny Green, they are who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. They did. They let him off the hook. They really did. Catch the ball, Sean Davis, and we're not having this conversation right now. If Sean Davis catches the ball or Ben Roethlisberger throws it away or Jesse James rolls instead of lunges, we're talking about how they finally slayed the dragon and they're the favorite in the AFC because of the advantageous path that they would get and New England obviously wouldn't have an advantageous path. I don't want one loss to affect the, th- the thought process, though, because they played good enough to win. New England played good enough to win, too. These teams are very close. I think the Steelers are better. I think the Steelers are more talented, but the Patriots seem to get more out of less. I want to see them play again. And I think the Steelers still have a chance to go to the championship. I do. Their path's tough. They're going to have to play Jacksonville now in all likelihood, although who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. The phone lines are jammed. We got Matt Williamson coming up next. How do the Steelers stop Gronk the next time? If there is a next time. And what did the Steelers not do well enough yesterday? He joins us. Matt Williamson, it's the Crowley Show.